Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the newest episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here with a new guest, and we are going to talk about horror movies and thriller movies and why the line between them is blurred. Because these days, a movie could really go either way a lot of times, and uh, it's interesting how they're marketed, but uh, really, they're just enjoyable movies that kind of keep you on the edge of your seat. Some of them keep you thinking, and some of you, uh, some of them just make you hide behind your pillow. Uh, I have known David, uh, my guest, for a few years now, and we have been trying to sync up for quite some time, and we finally were able to at least get together for a phone call, and uh, he is a very talented film composer and also has his own podcast called the Piecing It Together Podcast, and uh, it uh, it's one where they go uh, and do a deep dive into a movie that is current. Uh, or relatively current for the most part. And because I don't go see a lot of movies, there aren't a lot of episodes that I can listen to and really connect with. Whereas you guys go see movies all the time. So go and check out the Piecing It Together podcast. I actually had to dig back a little. I rented a couple of movies. I rented uh, the new Godzilla and I had rented Creed 2. And uh, I was able to listen to those episodes. And man, I am so impressed with the stuff that they come up with to talk about and how they relate it to the movie, the, uh, the similarities that they see between different things that... I certainly would have never thought of. And uh, it's really, really enjoyable and really makes you think and uh, it kind of opens your eyes to some things. So it's a great show to listen to. Go and check that out. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, so the uh, newest Haunted Holidays Deadly Christmas album is now available. There are no physical CDs. However, you can get it on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Spotify, all the usual suspects where you can get music these days without having to uh, make plastic and whatever the hell they make CDs out of and uh, save the environment a little bit and save on shipping costs and things like that. Because these days it's kind of silly for most things that can be uh, done through the digital media to still print physical. Um, I'm, I'm finally starting to get away from the attachment to having physical things when uh, when I can have them here. And hard drive storage is so inexpensive these days. It's really easy to just uh, to just keep everything there. And you can do redundant backups across multiple hard drives. And it's still not going to cost you that much. Uh, and then if you're one of those people that believes in the cloud, I'm not sold on that yet. But uh, if you are, then there's another way that you can store things. I tried it with a movie company that, uh, you know, when you get the DVDs and they have those codes that you uh, put in. And one of the DVDs I got, they wouldn't accept the code. And I wrote to the company and they're like, well, you know, that you could get that code from anybody. So we really don't know that you have that movie. And I paid for a movie that was literally, there was no DVD in the box. It was just the download card. There was no sticker to say that there was no DVD in the package. And uh, basically I just spent a bunch of money for nothing. So uh, I am not a fan of those kind of things yet. I haven't had a good experience and not really sure I trust it because you don't know how long those websites are going to be around. One of the other companies already went out of business. And uh, they sold their logins to this company that uh, that screwed me over. So not really a fan of that. But if you are, then there's a, an avenue for you to be able to um, go ahead and have another medium to store your stuff without having to uh, have a physical copy made. And I'm definitely all for that. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, uh, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey have started a podcast called The Office Ladies. And on this podcast, they are doing a deep dive into each episode of the show, The Office. And they are starting with the pilot. That one is already available. You can listen to that on iTunes, Podbean, and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. And 
they uh, they are really interesting because I thought I had a pretty good grip on what was happening on the office. And they come in telling me all this stuff that I didn't know that I wouldn't have guessed. Uh, it was very, very impressive and, and very interesting. So uh, if you're a fan of The Office, definitely check that podcast out. They're doing an amazing job. And they're such sweet ladies. It's it's just a fun show to listen to. And you can really feel uh, how passionate they are about the show and how much it means to them, which adds just another layer of, I, I really like the show and I want more now. I'm already just waiting for episode two to come out. Um that's pretty much it. Oh, uh, one other podcast. I can't remember if I mentioned this earlier or not, uh, but if I didn't, I'll mention it again. And if I did, you can just skip forward. Uh, there is another podcast called Eaten by a Guru. This podcast has been around for a little bit, but I just found out about it. If you are a fan of text adventure gaming from the late 70s, early 80s time period, uh, they go in and they do a review of different Infocom games where they take time, they play them, they try to solve all the puzzles. Sometimes they don't have uh, all the puzzles solved and they will go ahead and uh, get the clues, which now you can get online. Uh, until Infocom came out with their Invisiclues booklets, there were no answers. There were There was no online back then. So unless you knew somebody that happened to know how to solve it or know somebody who did, uh, you could get stuck in a game for a very long time. And uh, But they were a lot of fun. They really made you think. They worked your brain. And uh, I also enjoyed, uh, before Infocom was out, there was another company called Adventure International that was created by Scott Adams, not the Dilbert Scott Adams, a different Scott Adams, who was one of the original text adventure creators. And he had some great games. Uh, Pirate Adventure was the first game I ever played in text and fell in love with the entire genre from there. So it's got a lot of memories. Um, I'm actually really interested to see if I can get some of those old games going again and uh, play them here and there um, because they they really work your brain and they're they're a lot of fun to me. Uh, so if you like that, check out Eaten by Agru. And Agru, by the way, if you've ever played Zork, which was made by Infocom, Agru is a creature that would hide in the dark areas. And if you went into a room with no light and you didn't turn on your lantern within a, a turn, then there was a good chance that Agru would eat you and that would end your game. And you would have to go to a save point or back from the beginning if you hadn't saved your game yet. Uh, so there's a little bit of trivia for you on that. But yes, Infocom games were awesome. Scott Adams Adventures were awesome. And uh, I'm a huge fan. And I like the way that they do the show because they have the uh, first section where they talk about the game and what's cool about it and then what frustrated them about it. And then they have they put up a firewall and say, if you don't want to know more, stop listening because now everything beyond this wall is going to be spoiler alert. So if you don't want the solutions to some of the puzzles or clues to some of the puzzles, uh, they they give you that opportunity to block yourself off from that while still getting to hear their commentary on the game. So it's very well done. I highly recommend it if you're a fan of that genre or if you're just interested in checking it out. Uh, and they're fun guys to listen to. So, uh, so take your time and do that as well. Now, without further ado, let's get to our top 10 lists with some honorable mentions and my friend David Rosen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am very excited to bring you my next guest. He and I have been friends for a long time, and we've been trying to sync up, but his schedule is crazy. My life is crazy. Uh, we both just spend so much time putting out uh, things for people to hopefully enjoy. And uh, he has one of the top iTunes podcasts in the movie genre. So let's welcome David Rosen from the Piecing It Together podcast. David, how are you today? I am doing great. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, thank you for, for taking some time out, man. You've got so much going on right now. 
Yeah, it sure seems that way. Um, I, I tend to make myself busy uh, a lot of the times doing things that probably could have been done uh, much more efficiently, but uh, I'm always busy, though, one way or another. Well, you know, you're never going to know what's more efficient unless you give something a shot, right? That's right. Well, I have to tell you, you know, I, I don't get to listen to your podcast as much as I would like because... I don't see a lot of movies. And mm. so every episode you have is a spoiler alert for me for something. Exactly. But I, I have dug back a little bit because I recently saw two movies that you guys reviewed. I saw uh, Creed Two and Godzilla. So I listened to those podcasts. And I have to say, I love your format. I love the idea of, of everybody bringing like a, a piece and another piece to put the puzzle together of the movie. Mm -hmm. And you guys do such in-depth, intelligent reviews. I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that comment. I mean, I, it's, you know, when I first set out to, to do it, I, I didn't want to just be, you know, you know, film review podcast number, you know, 632. I wanted right. to have some kind of angle to approach it from and uh so far so good people really do seem to enjoy this thing that we've landed on of uh breaking movies apart into puzzles and you know all of the movies that inspired that particular movie being puzzle pieces absolutely and you know a lot of them i would have to think too might have been subconscious inspirations sure but but they're definitely uh the things that you guys pick out to the comparisons that you make to other movies most of those things I never would have considered. And I, I like to think I'm a fairly intelligent person, but you mm -hmm. guys really dig deep. Yeah, I never know what my guest is going to bring to the show. And it's pretty interesting to see where people go. And uh, it, it's, I don't know, it's just a fun way to look at movies because it not only does it lead to a great list of recommendations if you like the movie we're talking about, um, but it, it's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different approach, a different way to look at a movie and to look at, you know, all of the different things that go into making a movie. And uh, I, I just have so much fun doing it. And, and you are right, absolutely right. It, it's definitely spoilers on every episode because in order to get into all those themes and stuff, we have have to uh you know we have to really dig into you know plot points and things like that sometimes so yes always spoiler alert so definitely watch the movie first right yeah unless you never plan on seeing the movie and just enjoy listening to people talk about film which is it's just go. a great conversation but you know also not only uh you know inspiring people to watch the films but all the little things that you might say you know this was uh from a scene in star wars this reminded me of that and then somebody might be uh, you know the four people that haven't seen star wars might be inspired to go out and finally watch it it's about time. Uh, but I I have to wonder because I, I I really really enjoyed the Creed two uh, podcast, and I have to wonder at this point could an entire movie be made out of all the montages that appear in Rocky films? <laughs> I, uh, I I would almost kind of like to watch that movie. Uh, may, maybe <laughs> squeeze in some Rambo montages or something while oh, we're at yeah. it. Yeah, well, and it would all be great music too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Have you, you've seen the new Rambo, right? Yeah. It's, it's terrible. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to report, but, um, you know, it, it's got its moments for sure. That's okay. The one the, the one film I am committed to go see at the theater, uh, because I very rarely, uh, go out and you, I think that they, did you just have your own chair at the theater now? <laughs> no, I mean, I have a, a seat I like to sit in and I, I always try to, but um, no, no, nobody has it reserved for me. I still, uh, <laughs> I, I still, I still have to buy my own popcorn. I still ah. have to uh, carry my own drinks to the, to the seat and everything. What? Where I are know. the perks? I know. Well, you'll get there. <laughs> uh, I'm very committed to see uh, Three from Hell. 
And oh, right I on. had uh, I had Dee Wallace on the show a couple of weeks ago, and she she was very excited about the film. Uh, she said Rob Zombie was absolutely wonderful to work with. Nice. And, uh, but when I went to go see it, it wasn't here yet. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it's here now. So I'm I'm committed. I'm going to go out and watch a movie. That is awesome. Although, unfortunately, I think it's already gone. I think it was like a special engagement. But if it's still in the theater, go see it for sure. And yeah, if not, watch sure. it. Right? I, you know, uh, she's so <laughs> lovely. And I really to her. And uh, I, I was really hoping to see that because she's so good. Yeah. So uh, check out the Piecing yeah, It Together podcast. Cool. It's that's absolutely awesome. fantastic. Uh, tons of episodes, tons of movies to uh, to choose from. And uh, yeah, it's it's great. I really, uh, really appreciate what you guys do. But you guys, but you uh, and I have something else in common. We're also film composers. Although uh, I don't really work in film as much anymore as I used to. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've done some horror movies. And since we're talking today about horror and thriller films, because there's kind of a fine line these days between the two, uh, what makes a good horror score? Sure. A good horror score. Yeah, I mean, it's true. A lot of the work I've done over these years has been with horror. Um, It just works out that way. And like, you know, we'll get into it as we're talking about our main conversation. But I'm not the biggest horror guy. But I just, yeah, it just works out that way that a lot of the music I make, I just tend to work in those keys. And I tend to, uh, I just tend to gravitate to those kinds of sounds. And so it just makes sense that that's where I end up working a lot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as a good horror score, you know, it is really a matter of, of helping to sell the atmosphere of, of the movie, which really, I guess, in a way is for any movie, but it's especially important with horror. You know, a thing that I always find funny, and I'm sure you know this from, from doing music for film, um, is, you know, when you first get that film and there's no score, a a horror movie, it's basically not even scary like (laughs) there's really nothing happening just a person walking around like you know and it's like until that music comes in and really uh you know helps sell what's what's happening on screen um it's really (laughs) there's not that much going on um and of course some horror movies you know still can make that atmosphere without the without the need for score um you know but a lot of the times a score really is needed and it becomes it becomes almost a more important agree. Uh, and it's, factor it's just than really in a lot of other creating genres. that eerie atmosphere or that feeling of seclusion or uh, even a false buildup before a, a jump scare or some action. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really more felt a lot of times than heard. Yep. Unless you're using it as a specific cue, say in something like Jaws, where you're using mm. it to say, hey, we're about to see the shark or have an interaction with the shark. Um, it's it's really more about the the subtle, almost subconscious mm. experience of it. Uh, because you don't typically specifically notice the music, but you sure feel it. It's funny you say that, um, and, and not to go on a total tangent into film music, but uh, you know, recently the the, right. the most popular horror movies are like the Conjuring universe films, you know, mm-hmm. and those movies go big with their scores. Right. The, <laughs> those scores you hear them from the uh, hallway when you're when you're at the movie theater, and has, so it's, uh, it's interesting they've kind of taken a little bit so of a different horror, approach. Has there. that ruined anything for you watching horror films? 
Um, no, I wouldn't say so. Uh, I, I'd say it's, it's always, it's the same. It, it's, I love movies and I just, I, love, I, uh, when I, I went love to watching Conjuring, movies, any kind of I genre. Was, really. I was really excited to see it. And, uh, I go in and I get my traditional pretzel and the girl asked me what I was going to see. And I said, the conjuring and her eyes just bulged out. And she said, oh, I won't go see that again. So I'm just all excited, right? Like, okay, this movie really is creeping people out. And I sit down and I'm in the theater and the movie starts and I'm kind of waiting. I know there's going to be a jump scare coming. And then I just picked a moment and I started to count down from five and I nailed the first jump scare. And I thought, is this because I've just learned subconsciously to feel the pulse of a film as a musician? Right. Seriously. I mean, because there is a pulse. For sure. I mean, there there is something. Uh, there there is a, a rhythm to to you know hitting you with those scares every every so often and and the the right amount of buildup you know before that scare Absolutely. comes. Uh, and, there's and definitely I'm sure that we'll be talking about music as we there. go for our picks. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing. I think it's it, as far as mm-hmm. film scoring goes. To me, it's really the most open palette because you can do so much with sound design and, and you know uh, ethereal textures more so than you can with a comedy that might say, "Well, you need to use an orchestra or you need to use a rock band for this film." Um, it just it just feels like it's a bigger world as a composer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. So sure. we we talked about this before that there's there's such a fine line between uh, what's a horror and what's a thriller these days. Do do you have an idea what the the difference is between the two now? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that that's a very good question, and it's really hard to define. I mean, I think the number one thing is the intention of the filmmaker, but you know, even that can be hard to really say. I mean, sometimes that line can be skewed, and then of course, it's right. a matter of you know, how do you know for sure what their intention was? Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, as I was like making my list for this conversation, I, I'm realizing like. Things are thriller, they're horror, mm-hmm. they're, I mean, you could call it specifically a monster movie, right. uh, you know, science fiction that becomes horror. Uh, th- there's just so many subgenres that, uh, you know, horror or thriller can right. kind of and combine with and make yet another the, genre. You know, intense, uh, brutal thriller. I mean, there's, there's so sure. many little microscopic paths down there. And, and it seems like we're doing that mm-hmm. with everything now. We do it with books, we do it with music. And from a marketing standpoint, I kind of get it, but I feel like you're also pigeonholing yourself a little bit. Uh, There might be people that would like what you do, but because of the way you've categorized it, they might not Mm -hmm. even check it out. Oh, good. Good. We'll talk about that later. Well, so we, uh, what we did is we decided that we were going to do a top 10 uh, of our favorite movies. And and I I will let you decide this on your own. But for me, except for the top three or four, mine are in no particular order. Uh, What about you? Did you, did you just kind of like jot them down or do you have some specifics? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I do not have an order to mine. Um, you know, and and you know, funny enough, part of the reason mm-hmm. I did not order them is because of what we were just talking about right there. Um, to 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 do top ten horror specifically would be one thing, but once you're starting to like blend in, you know, some kind of related genres, it becomes like extra hard to like really 
you know, re- really say like, oh yeah, I like that yeah. more than that. Or, you know, that belongs above this. And it, when it, when it's like, you know, how, how do you really make that, that, uh, divide there between those kinds of genres? But so yeah, no, my list is just going to be cool. 10. Yeah. And I kind of feel that talk about and then a few with honorable everything. mentions. I mean, in, in music, you've got the best 50 guitarists of all times and the best 50 bands and the best 50 songs. And, you know, it, it, what, what qualifies something to be the best if you, it, it it's, mm-hmm. uh, to me, it's either I like it or I don't. But right. with, the, with the movies, I think the reason that I do have my top few picks mm-hmm. set is because those are like the go-to movies for you know, 25, 30 years. Uh, that kind of had mm-hmm. a, a more solidified place than just ones that I enjoy. But uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. It's, it's kind of a, a moot point, really. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's start with number 10. Mm. Uh, how yeah. about you go first on this one? Sure. Well, I want to, I wanted to kick it off here uh, with is a little bit of a cheat, okay. but it's an entire series. But I, I had to do ah. it this way, uh, and that is the Evil Dead series. Um, yeah, which I mean, first of all, Evil Dead Two is in my yeah. top three movies of all time. Period across all genres. Um, it, it's I mean, the character of Ash Bruce Campbell is just the, the best character I think ever in any movie. And uh, Sam Raimi's directing style is just, you know, so much fun, everything he does in all these movies. And uh, the, the reason why also, aside from the fact that I love all three, they all three are basically like completely different genres. And like, you know, to they really all need to be kind of uh, dealt with. Uh, you know, it's like Evil Dead 1 being more of a straight horror that just happens to have that B-movie vibe. Evil Dead 2 being a straight-up comedy horror and Army of Darkness being like kind of an adventure movie, you know, mixed with horror comedy. Um, but it, it's, they're all just so much fun. I I, I love these movies so much. And <laughs> I, I was going to talk about all three of them right. anyway. I didn't want to well, take that's, up that's three spots on my list. And so I, I, I had to combine agree it. With what you saying, <laughs> uh, Bruce is really incredible. He's done so much voice work over the years, you know, and uh, it's it, it's one of those things oh, yeah. that it's just when you see his face, that's the first thing you think of is Evil Dead. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the the thing about Ash is there's, you know, when you think about it, there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of heroes in horror that, like, you really kind of either identify with or root for. I mean, there's always these, there's like, you know, final girls, but, you know, you don't always kind of remember all of them, you know. Uh, and well, there's yeah. like a lot of the people are just getting killed off left and right. <laughs> and it's like, may- maybe they don't even come back for the sequel, you know, but, but Ash, you just root for over and over again. And then in the, uh, the, the series, the Ash for Evil Dead series, it continued and, you know, he's just, he, you know, you he's really just one of the best heroes because across it seems that the hero movies, is just whoever makes it to the end in most horror movies. And that's, that doesn't make them a hero. That just makes them a survivor, but yeah. that's really all we get to work with. Hmm. Sure. Interesting. And uh, yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah, I think yeah. that was a great pick. Um, for me, <laughs> I picked uh, Frozen, but not not the Disney Frozen, the ski lift nice. Frozen. And uh, and I bought it at Target <laughs> for like five dollars. And here's why. Because the back of the box sold itself by saying the most suspenseful movie since Jaws. 
And I thought that's that's a pretty big thing to be boasting there. Mm. And for five dollars, I'm willing to give you a shot. And I, I will not say that it lived up to that, but I will say it was a very, very well done and suspenseful movie. And it's really just about three people stuck on a ski lift and the dangers and things that happen to them as they try to survive. This sounds very, very interesting and unique. I, I actually have not heard of it. Um, and and I, I've got it up on my screen right now, and it definitely sounds like something uh, worth checking I, out. I think when you have I, it, a it film that has unique. primarily one location and a cast of three people, and if you can you can make that interesting for more than a half an hour, you've you've got a good start, you know. And then if you have you know some plot twists and whatever, mm-hmm. you can really pull a good movie out of it. And I have to I have to give them kudos. I think they've really got something there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like it. Great pick. Good deep pull right there. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with my next pick. Uh, and, you know, speaking of, a you know, one location, small cast mm. movie, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which yeah. again, I, I think this falls more on the thriller side. Um, uh, although of course, spoiler alert, we get, you know, some right. kind of, uh, uh, giant thing at the end, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, you know, up until that point, it is a one location, uh, claustrophobic thriller with yes. a insanely terrifying John Goodman performance. Uh, he is absolutely fantastic. And then speaking of worthy heroes, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is amazing in it. Um, she, she's just a total like star making performance. Um, I, I, I want to see so much more out of her in the right. future. Um, and this is of course, is a m- pretty recent movie, 2016, I believe. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it just is so effectively suspenseful and just such a sense of ne- never knowing what is going to happen. And it gets like really freaking creepy at times. It's got, it's got humor to it, like very dark humor. And then it's also just freaking horrific because I mean, the stuff that he puts them through is just crazy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, movie. I, I had a very a big low surprise for me too. I did not expect that. Well, my saving grace was that I've never seen John Goodman do anything I didn't enjoy or at least enjoy his performance. And I, I would love to see him do sure. some more dark stuff because I thought he was, menacing and and creepy and fantastic in this role. I've never seen him do anything like this. And, yeah, and, and you're right on Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I Absolutely. think that she's got so a, a great future ahead of her if she gets you know the right opportunities and chooses the right roles. But she's a fine actress. There's no doubt about that. And uh, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a great thing because I really couldn't tell one way or another whether John Goodman was right through the movie and whether he was justified or not. And I, I, it's usually I make a decision within the first 20 minutes of a movie. And I have to say, this is one of the few movies that really I ping pong back and forth. And and then I was wrong. (laughs) So. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it really, I mean, how, how rare is that for a movie to really just trick you? Uh, Yeah. Excellent. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I actually picked the exorcist as, as my number nine. Um, it, it seems kind of cliche now, but to me, it, it really does stand up as one of the best horror movies ever. And I think that it's just, it's something that it, it partially mm-hmm. in the fact that it was shot on film that adds a certain depth of creepiness to it. I think, uh, Max sure. von Sydow was such a great pick 
And uh, I met Linda Blair a few years ago at uh, a con in uh, in Tempe, Arizona. And I don't know who the guy was that was with her. But when I was looking over the pictures, I looked at the the main poster of The Exorcist, which just has the shadow of the priest looking at the house. And uh, and I always thought that that was Max von Sydow. But this guy was telling me that no one knows who it was, but it couldn't have been him because that picture was taken the day before. But the one thing I don't like about the movie is that they, mm. they cut out the best scene, which was the spider crawl, which you can now find on YouTube and it's on the, you know, the, the, the re-release DVDs. But it's, it's her climbing uh, uh, down the stairs yeah, upside yeah. down. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, but I yeah, mean, just I've a, seen a, that an before. Yeah. For, for them to put a child through that kind of uh, intensity in filming... And, uh, and and then the, the vocal overdubs for all the swearing and the, you know, the things that were a little over the line for a young child to be saying <laughs> in, in a film or not. Uh, and uh, Mary, Mary, was it Mary sure. Ellen Burstyn, I think, was the, uh, the mom. Yeah, but just, just a great, intense film from beginning I to think end. So. It really kind of doesn't let up or let you go at any point. You, you're just in for the ride. Oh, and yes. as composers, let's not forget about <laughs> the, the best bills. use of them to this day. <laughs> and it's funny because if you if you listen to the the oh, just the opening, so cool. the, the main piano music, <laughs> I really don't find that music creepy unless I put it in association with the film. I think it's a pretty little piece. But then when you associate it with with The Exorcist, it's like, oh yeah, this right. is kind of you know this this doesn't settle well in my spine. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great pick. I mean, absolutely a classic for sure. Um, so for my next pick, um, so obviously when I started out, mm-hmm. I, I went with a full series. Then I went with 10 Cloverfield Lane. The reason I didn't talk about the full Cloverfield series, uh, multiple reasons, but ah. partially because my third pick is the original Cloverfield movie separately. And first of all, it's one of my favorite monsters on screen ever. I mean, of course, you know, there's King Kong and Godzilla and all, all these great monsters over the years. But I just think the Cloverfield monster is just such a unique and interesting character. I think it is it, the movie is just so filled and packed with secrets and like Easter eggs and things to just really like, you know, suck yourself into, you know, um, just there's just so much in there and, and it can yeah. just keep you busy for years. Really. It's kept me busy just thinking about it and thinking about all the, all the angles and all the things and all the, the secrets and all that. Um, but then, uh, you know, unfortunately the reason why I didn't talk about them as a series, aside from yeah. one other mm-hmm. thing is the fact that they're such different genres as far as movies, you know? So that's another reason I thought they should be separate. But then I also didn't want to talk about them as a series because the Cloverfield Paradox, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, is absolute garbage as far as I'm concerned. And so I didn't want to say the series because no, not the series. I, I'm, I'm still hoping there will be another one at some well, point and gonna I'm going to do my I think you have to, to look at the, the first one, 10 Cloverfield Lane, and then whatever the next one is. And I think they're just hopefully just going to push the the other one aside because, yeah, I was sadly so disappointed in it. I, I just felt like it went nowhere and it didn't really make sense. They were just making things up to make things fit and it just didn't feel good. But I agree with you on Cloverfield. I think it was great. And I love mm. the the stages of reveal of the monster. You know, you get a little bit here, a little bit there and a little bit more, but they don't wait mm-hmm. till the end to show you what it is. 
uh, they they kind of reveal it in a nice little sectional way. Yeah, and you're just as in the dark about things about it as the characters right. are, which adds to the uh, you know the scariness of the movie. And uh, and I mean, there's now, just so I many cool say, ideas though, in that I, movie. I, I have and to check and see it's, if it's the same it's awesome. film studio. But in the, uh, the the not the last Godzilla movie that just came out, but the one before that, where you barely saw Godzilla at all. Uh, the monster that he was fighting looked a little bit similar to the Cloverfield mm-hmm. monster. And I'm wondering if there might be a potential crossover down the line. There's been talk about that, about whether or not uh, Cloverfield mm-hmm. is technically um, one of the kaiju or whatever from yeah. that same universe. I mean, I, I'd be down. I would certainly be yeah, down. I, it would I be a different kind of movie, and, uh, but uh, it, it, I think size-wise, though, I think that they would be a match. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, uh, you know sure. they, that yeah, would great be great take on uh, that. And I, I, I absolutely agree sure. with you, and I totally understand why you didn't do that. <laughs> do that as a series for sure. Um, I uh, I picked for my yeah. next one uh, the first Human yeah. Centipede movie, the first sequence. What I love about this movie is that it's just so different from everything mm. that we're so used to seeing. It's not a slasher film. It's it's psychological, but it's just such a completely bizarre and never done before concept uh, that that it really drew my attention. Right on. I, you know, I actually mm. have never seen those movies. I, I certainly know of them and I know the, the concept and everything and, you know, the place in pop culture that it, it managed to dig out, even being such a weird well, Interestingly, movie. I think but, part um, of it for me, too, yeah, never it, actually was the circumstances them. under which I saw it because a friend of mine said, I want to watch this movie with you. I have questions that I think you can answer, but don't watch the movie. Don't read the box. Don't do anything. So I went and bought it and, and it just sat on my counter for a month. I was coming down with the flu and we got together and we talked for like an hour before the movie and I start losing my voice. And by the end of the movie, I can barely speak at all. And, and it's like three in the morning and I go to leave her house and it's foggy out, <laughs> which almost never happens in Phoenix. And, uh, and I, I realized that if I had to scream, no one would hear me after I just watched this really creepy movie about, you know, people basically being taken against their will. Um, but I, I just I love that the actors were just all in to do this movie because you couldn't you couldn't half ass this movie. You, if you're going to do it, you got to do sure. it all the way. And and uh, I, I've met uh, Ashley C. Williams, who was the middle piece. And she did say that that Tom Six really took good care of them on set. They had massages every day because it was so uncomfortable to be in that position for so long. And um, but but really, it was just such a dark movie. And even even if you just put the DVD in. And just let the menu play. You might not want to watch the movie just because that that uh, sound design is just amazing. Yeah, yeah I, 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 like I said, I haven't seen it, but I can imagine what the sound design must sound like. <laughs> yeah, it, the the series did go downhill. Unfortunately, the second one was okay. The third one, I, I wouldn't even bother mm. with. It was it was so far off the point. Uh, they could have done something really cool with it, but uh, they just they just wanted to go for more gore and disgust and. Uh, that's a shame, but yeah, the first one definitely, uh, for me, definitely a top movie. Right on. Uh, well for my next one, I'm going to go back to horror comedy again, like evil dead Two. Uh, mm-hmm. I am going to go with Shaun of the dead from Edgar Wright yeah. and, uh, the yeah. first of the Cornetto trilogy, uh, which of course went into different genres as they continued with that whole team of 
of collaborators. Uh, but I mean, God, I mean, Shaun of the Dead, truly one of the funniest movies of, of the century. I mean, <laughs> it's just so incredibly funny. So such a great uh, friendship story at the center of it. And then just, I mean, skewering everything when it comes to, you know, the zombie genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the scene in the backyard alone is worth watching that entire movie oh, yeah. for. So good. And yeah. and I mean, th- those guys have gone on to make such great stuff. I actually would say Hot Fuzz. I have just a bit above Shaun of the Dead in my like ranking of the Cornetto trilogy. I think Hot Fuzz mm-hmm. is just a freaking masterpiece. But I also think Shaun of the Dead is. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And I'm not, I'm not that big on comedy, even though my next pick is going to be comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just thought it was so well done. I mean, it was a cohesive story. Everything made sense. The chemistry between the actors was fantastic. Oh, yeah. And the writing was was stellar. It, I don't think they could have done anything better. No, I don't think so either. Well, except for Hot Fuzz. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely a good one. Uh, my next one, uh, like I said, I was going to go to comedy, is uh, Return of the Living Dead 2. Nice. Uh, I thought the first one was good, but I think that they really kind of found their their pace on the second one. It was it was more interesting of a story. The characters were a little uh, more into it, I thought, than the first one, which was a little bit drier to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that they could just keep rebooting the same movie with the same premise <laughs> right. and find a new way to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, but but I mean the the classic characters and and actors that you had in this movie uh, were just you know over the top and. Uh, if if you just want to have a, a good silly time where you can turn your brain off and enjoy something that uh, that has some humor in it, I, I'd say that's a movie to check out. Oh sure, absolutely. And I, I got to admit, I I haven't seen any of them since high school, and I, I they all kind of run together. I don't remember which one is which of those three movies, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, all, all three of them I, I remember. I used to love back then. Well, they've actually got more now. They've got like a, a Return of the Dead something Necropolis, and then they've got uh, Return of the Living Dead 3, which has a, a redhead who's in a lab. Right, 3 I remember um, well, yeah. And then there's like a, a Rave to the Grave or something like that. The last two I really didn't care for, but the first three were good. <laughs> nice. Uh, my, my next one, I think goes along the same lines. It would make a great, uh, a great like midnight movie, uh, you know, double feature with one of the return of the living dead movies. Um, and it is, uh, I'm pretty sure still the goriest movie ever. And that is Peter Jackson's dead alive. Um, mm. which I absolutely loved, uh, in high school. I mean, when I discovered that I was, I w- I discovered evil dead too, when I was, I think about, 13 maybe and somehow or other someone way cooler than me turned me on to the fact that there's a movie even gorier and you got to see it <laughs> and uh i mean I, th- I think it blew my mind you know and it's just so over the top and so insane and really all of peter jackson's early movies are i mean they're, they're so crazy yeah. those those early peter jackson movies i wish he would do something again like that he says he might um, but, uh, you know, we'll see if it ever really happens, but, but yeah, th- those movies, they're so funny and so freaking gory and just so inventive in the ways that they use gore. And, uh, I, I still think dead alive is the best of the bunch of those, uh, early Peter Jackson movies. Yeah, it's definitely up there for me too. And the nice thing about that too, is that that's in a time where everything was done practically. Oh Yeah. 
So, you know, physical effects instead of just doing it digitally or enhancing things or or what. I mean, they've really, really worked to make those things happen and look good. And I, I, I don't know if he won any awards for special effects that year, but I'd certainly say he should have. Oh, yeah, that definitely should have. Yeah, great pick. Uh, I'm going to go a little darker on my next one, and I'm going with Cujo. Nice. If you can take two people and trap them in a car and make that the majority of your movie. I think that uh, that's that says a lot about the script and the actors. Mm-hmm. And I just recently rewatched this in preparation for my interview with, with Dee Wallace. And uh, I hadn't seen it in a while. And I really thought that so much more of it was in the car. I didn't realize there was so much that was outside of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in the movie, she's having an affair with her real-life husband, which is kind of funny. But uh, the, they used 13 dogs... And I think anybody that's really willing to risk working with animals, because any anybody who knows anything about making film, they always say never work with animals and never work with children <laughs> if you don't have to. And uh, and it's tough, but they really pulled it off between 13 dogs and a person in a dog suit. Uh, two people trapped in a car. It, it's uh, it's so well done. And they also shot it in uh, in the fall in uh, Northern California. So they were actually freezing oh, man. while uh, while it was simulated that it was in the summertime and they were sweating. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of Cujo, uh, with the recent resurgence of Stephen King, I absolutely guarantee you we're going to see a remake of it like probably next year or the year after or something like that. It's going to pop I've, up. I've wondered that. And, uh, you know, I, I was going to ask you this because I've heard this and I don't know if this is true, but at, is, is after 35 years of a production uh, being put out into the world, the original creator has the right to take it back. I don't and, know if that's true or if that's one of those, you know, one of those stories that goes around. Um I'm not sure. I have to imagine that somebody owns the rights to that and is keeping the yeah. rights to that. Well, because, I mean, as a composer, it's like it's ours until 75 years after we've died, sure. which <laughs> does me no good, you yeah. know. Uh, but I, don't, I, I had wondered, I don't know if that's a, a real thing or not. But if it is, it would certainly be interesting because we are hitting that mark now for so many projects. Yeah. Uh, it would be interesting to see if people are going to take uh, advantage of this remake resurgence. And I, part of me hopes that some of the things get remade, but for the most part, just if it's classic, kind of you're not going to do better than what's in our minds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I think they're playing to the younger audiences, though. They're not really playing to us that fell in love with the films. They're they're playing to the new group of people to give them something to enjoy. Absolutely. Um, all right. I'm going to go with another one here. Uh, so, okay, I'm going to go to one that really I think blurs the line of what a horror movie is because I okay. it's really more of a drama but it's just so horrific and that is Darren Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream uh mm. which is just such a difficult movie but such a fantastic movie filled with just great performances and uh you know with just just so much to say on that subject matter uh but it, it's so bleak and so hard to really sit through although i have at least like four or five times now <laughs> yeah, right. yeah well it's a movie that i think is is so in depth that you're really not going to get half of it the first time through you've really got to see it a couple of times maybe three mm-hmm. uh to to really understand the depth of the writing of that film absolutely absolutely and and yeah i mean you know for 
you know, again, back to like the idea of like blurring that line of, of what horror is. I mean, it, that's something that's, I think, come up a few times here about how, you know, the genre really does uh, kind of feed into various different things. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I would I would absolutely agree, and and I love the way that that film was shot too. The the atmosphere in it really is a character as well. Yeah, yeah, good pick, good pick for. I can't believe I didn't think of that one. <laughs> There's so many, you know, but no, that's that's a good one. Uh, for my next pick, I've got the Strangers. Nice. And this this is another one of those uh, common themes in horror movies where the the best thing to do is isolate people from getting help. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so, so, you know, you trap them in a way that uh, you think that they might be able to get help, but they really can't. And as cliche as that is, it still works. But what sold me on this movie was the, the line, why are you doing this? And the stranger said, because we can. Right. Yeah. And I think that is like one of the best things I've ever heard in a movie, because that really shows the depth of of the warped minds of people in the world mm-hmm. that really would do something just because they can or just to see if they can get away with it. Yeah. And here's, you know, this, you just get trapped because you happen to be there. Absolutely. And it, that, you know, again, that, that does speak to just the wide range of experiences that horror and thriller can really bring because, I mean, you've got like, you know, where it's like just like straight up like evil monster kind of thing but then you've got like people that are just freaking deranged you know Mm. (laughs) yes yeah it's like it kind of just brings the whole thing into a totally different angle yeah it really does and uh before i forget i i have to make a note on cloverfield uh the original cloverfield uh, I just remembered that while there was very little music in the movie because it's done documentary style sure and I'm so glad that they're smart enough to not put a soundtrack in there as much as I am a fan of soundtracks mm-hmm. uh, because they don't make any sense. Right. But the ending credit music yeah. was scored at the last minute by Steve Jablonski, who did Transformers movies and uh, you know uh, te- some of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films and a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, apparently he was friends with the guys and they said at the last minute, hey, can you whip up something for us real quick? And and he did. Yeah, I remember uh, I, I I still remember walking out of the theater with that music playing and, and I was like, yeah. oh, man, this is awesome. Why, why am I walking out yeah. already? Right. Yeah, it was it was perfectly haunting for the end of that film. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I am up. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go with one that, uh, I know get uh, a few laughs, but, um, it's not technically a good movie, but it is the movie that has scared me the most of any movie ever. Um, and, and I have said this multiple times online before, um, and people always laugh about it, but I don't care. It scares the shit out of me. Um, it is event horizon. Uh, <laughs> which is just such a uh, it, it, it's corny it's it's overacted I guess it's you know I, I heard somebody just recently kind of say something bad about the score I don't even really remember the score to be honest but um, yeah but those I mean I feel like that movie that uh, was a uh, is it Verhoeven or who or no 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 that's Anderson uh, Paul W.S. Anderson but I uh, I feel like he I, I don't know like like rubbed a crystal ball and saw hell and was like, okay, let's put this on, on camera. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could, I could see that because it's, it's all about what in particular thing just gets under your skin. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he knows what gets under my skin, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I wouldn't laugh at you for that. I mean, I could, I could imagine why people would, but I think that's a, that's a great pick. And I think it's fair to have something that is, uh, you know, unsettling to your way of life. Exactly. And that could be anything. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to watch that again. It's been so long since I've seen that, but I remember I really liked it. I'm going to have to not watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> what you're not coming over for my event horizon marathon oh please spare me uh spare me a sleepless night or two i'll slip in a human centipede movie here and there <laughs> if it would make you come over nice <laughs> uh i'm gonna go a little classic for this one as and i i hate that this might be cliche as well but i'm gonna go with uh the original halloween mm-hmm. because what i think that is lost in today's world is that when this movie came out there wasn't really anything like it beforehand to watch it. Now it's just a typical slasher film, right? You know, um, typical family argument, but, uh, but there was nothing like this. So when this came out, this was total shock to the world and people in the theater, they were throwing up, they were running out halfway through the movie. I mean, they were just not ready to handle this kind of horror. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think though that this movie with the, uh, with the score, with just the uh, the coldness that Michael has, because there's not, he's not a Freddy Krueger that has humor or Jason that has some humor to him. There's just nothing like that in this movie. It is straight cold from beginning to end. Sure. Yeah, I mean that score is just so freaking good. Um, the the I mean every John Carpenter score is so freaking good. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah. but uh, yeah, you know, I I gotta I gotta admit I. And I recognize that the thing about Halloween is that, like you were saying, it's the the place in history, the fact that that had never happened before. It must have just been completely insane. I, I'm sure I saw it back in high school and then just kind of just didn't even really remember it. And I just watched the, uh, you know, the anniversary screening right before the new one came out. And right. I just was like, oh, I just cannot get into this you know but it's just so (laughs) like it's slow and then it's like silly and then it's slow again and and uh but yeah it's one of those movies you just really kind of have to look at um in in its place in history well i think it's harder to please us now because we've seen it all before exactly i mean when you've seen you know the kind of movies that that they're making in the last 10 15 years Mm. and you go back to something it's like trying to play an atari game after you've had you know, the, the, the Wii and you're like actually physically moving around and getting into the game. Right. It, just, it, it, it doesn't really work, but I'll tell you, and, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. What bothers me about Michael Myers is that he is not a supernatural being mm. and yet he can be shot. He can be burned. He can be blown up. And he's like, yeah, that whatever. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to come in after you and try and kill you again. It doesn't really fit because he should not be able to do that. And for a guy who lives his entire life sedated in an institution, he sure seems to have a lot of strength. And where did he learn to drive a car? Yeah, and he knows how to drive a car, which (laughs) I I was cracking up in the theater when I saw that because I didn't remember that whole part. And uh, I I noticed that right away. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Right, yeah. Like, here's the thing with me. I'm willing to go on whatever journey that you want to take me on. I don't care if it's a fantasy land, space, pastime, future, whatever. I'll go with you on that journey. But it has to make sense. And that's the one thing about Halloween that really just spoils it for me is that does not make sense. <laughs> yeah. And I've heard that, they've, that they're that they making two more with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Yeah. 
same team is uh, coming back together to to do a full trilogy of these new ones, which I also did not really care too much for the new one. Uh, as much as I love those people, Danny McBride and uh, uh, the director, uh, David Gordon Green. Um, but yeah, I, I just didn't like it that much. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's a nostalgia trip at this point, I think more than anything else. Yeah. It's, it's let's, let's get what out, out of it, what we can while everyone's still alive. <laughs> and then that's that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, for my next one, uh, I'm going to go with a movie that I liked a lot. Didn't necessarily love, love the movie, but the lead performance, I think, is probably one of my single favorite performances of this decade, and that is Hereditary and Tony Collette's performance in it. Um, I think Ari Aster is such an interesting filmmaker to just come out of the gate with a movie like this and then uh, following it up with Midsummer, which is also just absolutely just so assured as a filmmaker, like to just come out and make these movies like this. It's just, it's just wild. But for me, that movie is all about the performance. I I think Tony Collette, I, there's just not enough great things that can be said about her and what she brought to that role. I haven't seen that yet, but, but it's on my list now, but let me ask you. So when you give, uh, you know, when you're, when your whole thing is about the performance, how do you decide where that credit really lies? Because the actor's giving the performance, but it's the director's responsibility to get the performance sure. out of them. It, it's it's really kind of hard to say. I think it's really just a team effort. Absolutely. I think, I think it most definitely is. Um, and that team managed to bring out a, an otherworldly level performance. Nice. Well, I am looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. So for for my next three, these are in order. Okay. Um, so we'll we'll do uh, the next two, and then we'll do our honorable mentions before we reveal the last one. Okay. Uh, for my next one, uh, I picked the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Nice. One of the best scenes I've ever seen in a horror movie is is the first time that you see Leatherface, where he just comes out with the hammer, <laughs> pops that person, and then uh, drags them in. And the way he slams the door, it's almost like a maniac. And the reverb on that, and then the sound design that they did through the film, that sort of rusty nail sound, mm-hmm. uh, that just, that just sh- sends shivers up my spine every time. Oh yeah, and Fantastic. Uh, I, I've seen some documentaries on it and what they went through to make it, and it's uh, just total props to those guys for for everything they did. Um, it's not on my list, but the remake of uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, mm-hmm. would get my vote for best horror soundtrack I've ever heard. Hmm. But this one was really more sound design, and and that uh, that rusty nail sound really sells it, and the the mask of Leatherface, uh, it's. It's uh, it's a very powerful film to me. Sure, absolutely. I, I think it's just so iconic and and mm-hmm. and uh, and so uh, you know it, it's a movie that comes up a lot on piecing it together. Actually, when you know as far as like influential as concerns, um, sure. but yeah, we we end up finding a lot of movies that that draw inspiration from that movie. Well, and I think I could be wrong, but I think that was the f- oh no, I, Psycho was actually the first movie that was based on Ed Gein. I think. Mm. Uh, but I know this one was too, uh, as well as many, many other movies. He's probably the most historical uh, killer. Sure. At least in Hollywood, anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I will go ahead with my next one. Um, 
This one is, uh, it's also another recent movie, um, and it is Green Room, uh, which mm. it kind of, uh, another one that kind of, you know, blends the line of, of what is a horror movie. Um, but uh, the whole thing is just this insane, violent, messed up movie that takes place in the backstage of a, uh, a Nazi punk concert. And it is uh, absolutely crazy and and just just insanely violent. And uh, Jeremy Saulnier, his 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 ability to create a film filled with tension is just. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's one of the most tense films I've seen in many 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 years, and it's uh, it's fantastic for those who haven't seen it. Now I'm going to say that that's a huge compliment coming from you because of the amount of films that you see. Right, right. So I I take that very seriously. Is it set in World War II or is it post World War II? Oh Nazi? no, it is. It is set more, uh, much more recently. Um, and it's like uh, like neo Nazis, like like uh, just punk punk oh, okay. rockers who uh, are skinheads, you know. Right. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Excellent. Well, I'll have to add that to my list too. Yeah. I'm not surprised that you had movies on here that I don't know though, because I, I don't watch that much. A lot of what I do is like while I'm doing marketing or, or whatever, uh, I'll have movies on, but uh, I don't really get to sit down and watch movies as much as I'd like to. Um, but I, that those are both on my list now. And, Thank you. And, uh, and Patrick Stewart is one of the head skinheads. So, uh, you know, Ooh. that should help uh, sell the movie. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting to see. Yeah. <laughs> very interesting uh so you're down to one left right because yes. you went first yep okay so uh for my number two i i'm sorry stephen king but i'm going with stanley kubrick's the shining nice i saw that movie when i was very young and uh it, I, I think that was part of the reason why but it had a very big impact on me and the the isolation obviously uh as we've said and on some of the others but just the 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 interaction between the characters, the level of emotion, um, how it how it developed through the story, it, it was just so intense to me, and uh, I I think that's one of those movies that gets me because like the strangers, something similar to that could really happen. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not so much the paranormal side of it, but there's a lot of speculation that that really didn't happen in the film, that there were no ghosts at all, right, and that the whole thing was Jack living through his novel. And I think that's one of the things I love about the way this movie was done is there's so many ways you can look at it. And it's not just the movie they show you. It's what you get out of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I love movies like that. And, uh, you know, a little tease for what my my final pick will be. Um, I, I, it's another movie that you can uh, read in many different ways. But I love that about The Shining. That, and I actually just got to see it in uh, its 4K restoration. They just had it in the theaters uh, oh, yeah. two weeks ago. It was so cool to see it that way. Oh, I bet. Was it, was it too sharp, though? Because I'm kind of iffy on 4K. It looks great. It looks really good. Okay. Yeah. Good. I, you know, the thing that sucks is that we'll never know the truth about it. And I, I hope it, it, you know, on, on everything I could hope on that his daughter at some point will, will reveal anything that she knows that could kind of lead us to here's what he really intended. Or yes, he really made you find a way to look at it three different ways. Um, it's, it's something that's kind of like, to me, it's as big as the, the mystery of the pyramids. I, yeah, I want to know. Right. <laughs> Well, should we do some uh, honorable mentions before we hit our last one? Sure, I've got uh, I've got three. 
Okay. Um, sh- I have one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Should I just run through them? Run through all three? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so first one uh, is really the whole alien series, um, but mm. specifically the character, the xenomorph, you know, I mean, it is just the scariest freaking creature like ever. And um, I, I don't love all of the movies in the series, um, but I mean, there's, it's just so freaking cool yeah it's just absolutely that's one movie i think i I heard that there is a uh making of art book uh coming out uh next year uh i think i I think i'm gonna buy that (laughs) because yeah yeah did you uh did you get to see the geiger exhibit when it was here i did not i should have i didn't either it was right before i moved so i didn't uh i didn't get to see it but i'm hoping that it comes back at some point because i have a feeling that's something that's going to tour for years to come Mm. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I would but, love to but the see whole that. world of it, the the way it was shot, the uh, the the planet that they go to, the I mean, everything in that movie was just done so well, and then they continued that that uh, level of expectation. I think through the whole series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, my next my next honorary pick. Um, actually, all my I just noticed all my honorary picks are kind of. Uh, weird in that they're not a specific movie each one um that you know that was the series of alien um and specifically the character but uh my my next one is really um any silly slasher movie like like the freddies and the jasons and uh you know all that kind of stuff it they all Mm -hmm. they all kind of run together for me like i don't really remember which entry was which i don't know you know friday the 13th three from nightmare on elm street six or you know whatever whatever but you know just that whole that whole vibe of the you know just silly inventive kills and all that kind of stuff and i i just i just wanted to throw a little a little you know a little love that way towards just crazy silly gore movies like that i yeah i agree with you and i've certainly enjoyed those movies myself um a little bit of insight i think it was friday the 13th part seven Mm -hmm. i read the book and I finally started to understand, you know, why Jason does what he does. And basically, people keep digging him up and making him wake up and he just <laughs> wants to sleep and he gets pissed off. And so he's, he kills everybody so that there's no one left to wake him up. Poor guy. And I thought, what an interesting perspective. It, it really made me feel sorry for him more, more than anything else. They need, to, uh, they need to make that movie if they haven't yet. Yeah, I, it would, you know, and, and I, I thought the reboot was good, but I think if you're going to reboot movies, tell us a different side of the story. Sure. You know, reboot Star Wars, but tell it through Darth Vader's eyes instead of the rebellion. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, my, my, my final honorary mention, um, I, I'll say before I say it, well, I, while I say it, uh, I'm not a big fan of like the Conjuring movies and their spinoffs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. However, I just think it's so funny and cool, and, and my fiance and I we laugh all the time about this. Uh, that the composer plays the demon, and I think all of those movies. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he's in makeup, um, jumping out and going, Wah! you know. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so <laughs> we don't get we don't get in the film or get you know we yeah. might get on set to to see things, but we don't usually get in the film. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. I, I just think that's so funny and so cool. And uh, so I just wanted to uh, to shout out to that. I, I think that's awesome. Oh yeah, I I did like the Conjuring. I didn't care for the Anna, the first Annabelle movie. That's the only one I've seen. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I haven't seen The Conjuring 2, but I think it was because it was based on a true story, mm-hmm. kind of like The Entity with Barbara Hershey. Sure. Um, I almost Hollywood brought that up. a lot of liberties. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because my, my fiance loves that movie. Well, unfortunately, Hollywood took an extreme amount of liberties with the story. Sure, they did. Because uh, I wish it had. I wish it had happened the way that they showed it. I would love the idea of actually like freeze drying a ghost, and, and you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I think that that was what it was for me. Was that it was really more based on a true story than the actual movie itself. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'll run through my uh, my uh, honorable mentions here. Uh, my first one is the Blair Witch. Mm. I think that the movie was done so cleverly, the way that they manipulated the actors, the chemistry that the actors had. Uh, I think it was done so well, though, because it was real. I mean, they were really fighting with each other. They were really getting on each other's nerves. And uh, that certainly helped play into the movie. But also because, again, it was something that had never been done before. And the marketing was just genius. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I uh, one thing about Blair Witch, and I, I've mentioned this before, uh, I think I've mentioned it on my show at some point, uh, but I was 100%, I still am 100% certain there was a Scooby-Doo episode when I was a kid about the Blair Witch. And Really? Yeah, and, and I've looked for it online, and I can't find it. It doesn't seem to exist. But I, I, when that movie came out, I was like, oh, they're doing a movie about that, that Blair Witch that was in Scooby-Doo. And all my, huh. all my friends were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I, there was a Blair Witch episode. And I don't know what it is that I'm remembering. It's like one of those, uh, what is it, Kazam or, or Shazam, the, uh, oh, <laughs> right. know, the yeah. genie movie. Yeah, yeah like, uh-huh. like it's one of those situations where I'm just remembering something that never existed. But uh yeah, I just find that so funny. And, and oh, who was that actor that was in that movie or wasn't in that movie? I should say Sinbad. Uh, Sinbad. Yeah. I saw Sinbad at uh, at the Nam show this year. Oh, nice. He's awesome. And apparently, I didn't know he was a bass player. He's actually quite good. Oh, wow. Uh, but I was so tempted to to just lean over and ask him, but I I knew it would just piss him off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, yeah. And and uh, yeah, I'll have to look. I I don't recall seeing that episode of Scooby Doo, but I'll have to look. I know that they did quite a bit with witches, so there is a there there very well could be. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, my next one is Frankenstein's Army, and this was a, a very low budget movie that was shot in a bunker. Uh, it takes place during World War II. They're doing these guys are doing a documentary, and they end up in this lab where uh, these German scientists are creating. Uh, they're taking dead people and creating them into uh, monsters that are just killing machines. And they have uh, different things grafted onto their body, like buzz saws and flamethrowers mm. and things like that. Uh, and it is such an intensely filmed movie that uh, it, it had to at least get an honorable mention. Even if you just go to YouTube and just look at some of the monsters that they've got, uh, it's it's pretty thrilling what they put together. I've never seen anything quite like that. And you really feel like you're in the you're the guy that's there and you can't turn anywhere without running into something sounds like a lot of fun i've never heard of it yeah it was it used to be on netflix that's where i first saw it and then i didn't write the title down and i spent another year trying to remember what it was (laughs) finally found it uh for my next one i'm just going to go into a quick comedy here and that would be basket case (laughs) nice uh it's, you know, if you, if you're a conjoined twin and your twin can leave you in the middle of the night and go murder people and you can get blamed for it, you got, you got a story. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but they, you know, as usual, it was a very low budget thing and they filmed, I think three of them. Yeah, and, that sounds uh, about right. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it just got, it, you know, as usual, they just went too far with it. A um, <laughs> couple more here. Uh, my next one is Circles and, and, I, and The Interview, which are uh, the first movies that I saw in a, what seems to be a fairly new psychological genre where you're pitted against other people for survival mm. and you don't know why. Uh, whatever it is you're up against, like in circles, all these people just wake up and they're standing on circles in a circle. And all uh, every once in a while, this timer counts down and they kill somebody. Hmm. And so you have to figure out why they're killing somebody, what you need to do to stay alive, how you can position yourself to let the person in front of you die and not you. And it these are, movies are really a good look into human behavior. Sure. And what you do in like an extreme survival situation. So I thought those were fairly interesting. Yeah, uh, that that is pretty interesting. There was just that Ready or Not movie that's kind of in that that subgenre. Right. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Was it good? It was pretty fun. I, I didn't love it, but I, I liked it. Mm. I like the concept of the genre, though. I think again, it's something kind of new, you know. So that gives us something different to see instead of oh, here's another slasher film, or sure, something, you know. Uh, and then my last one is a fairly new movie also. Uh, it's called Silence, and it stars Stanley Tucci. Uh, it's similar to the the Bird Box movie, except that uh, you can't make a sound mm. instead of you can't look. So I don't know if we're doing this whole you can't use a sense genre. If that's, if <laughs> I that's have a feeling we are, yeah. <laughs> if, if they get to the one where you can't smell anything, I'm just going to quit. <laughs> it's like a, it's it was, like a big was, stinky hairy Sasquatch or something. <laughs> you can't smell them. But this one I thought was, was done a little bit better than Bird Box because that to survive in, in Bird Box would be almost impossible. And, and I don't buy that, that they made it as far as they did. Mm. Uh, in this movie, I think there's a lot more possibility for a realistic survival. Um, and I think that they were very intelligent about how they played everything out in the movie. I really couldn't find any flaws or anything in it that that made me call bullshit on it. Mm, yeah. So that's why it gets my uh, my honorable mention. And that is uh, that's my list. Great. So I guess time so, for my final pick. Let's hear it. All right. So um, for my final pick, uh, I did say it's a movie that uh, uh, can be interpreted many ways. And I also earlier in the uh, conversation, I had I had mentioned that uh, I had a, a pick coming up that was uh, marketed kind of incorrectly like using the horror term because I, I i don't think this movie is a horror movie necessarily but it was certainly uh marketed as if it was one and that's why it didn't do very well um but that is darren aronofsky's mother which of course oh, is yeah. the second aronofsky movie i'm bringing up today i didn't want to bring up two from one director but i kind of had to because uh I, I just really felt strongly about requiem for a dream as a pick and mother mm. is uh you know spoiler alert for the piecing it together episode on the top movies of the decade but it's probably going to be my number one spot um for my favorite movie of this decade uh really? yeah i i love this movie so much i love what it has to say i love the different interpretations of it i love i i have at least 3 or 4 interpretations of it and i love each of them equally and i love them all together and how they feed into one another and uh i i just think it's just uh the the most amazing movie and a misunderstood movie partially because of how it was mismarketed as just like a home invasion horror film, which it certainly has elements of, but it's not what it is. 
Yeah, it's so much more than that. And and I also will, I'll second that pick, absolutely. And I think the performances were phenomenal in that movie. Absolutely. I, every single actor in that movie is just... Uh, I, insanely good I, I i love them all so much in it jennifer lawrence's best performance i would say and uh javier bradem one of his best ed harris i mean just so many great performances in that movie well you know ed harris is another one of those people that you can't go wrong putting him in a movie no you absolutely cannot yeah i think my favorite performance of his though was glenn gary glenn ross because his character was just so over the top when, whenever he pops up in a movie i say to my fiance i say hey your boy's in it yeah now that that uh that came out last year right yeah okay so did that do you know if that was up for any awards no it it it, uh i'm pretty sure it wasn't up for anything It, it was very very uh i they people just didn't know what to do with it you know and and the funny thing is a lot of critics loved it um just as much as i did it was on a lot of top 10 end of year lists but but, you know, the Academy didn't know what to do with it. Uh, audiences didn't know what to do with it. It was a flop by all means. Um, it did not do very well. I, you know, I it's actually, you got to give Paramount a lot of props for taking what is essentially a very, very complicated art house movie that's very hypercritical of religion and and taking that and opening it wide, you know, giving it a huge budget and opening it wide. I mean, that's kind of insane. And they probably never should have, but I am so glad they did. <laughs> and in a time where studios are being so cautious about what they're green lighting. Yeah. Um, it was kind of surprising that it got greenlit. When you look at the movie and the, on the whole, you think about the script and, and who read it and who said, yeah, we got to do this. Yeah, it's uh, wild. You would think that it wouldn't have made it, but I'm glad it did. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it's interesting because controversy can make a movie or it can bury a movie. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is just one of those unfortunate cases where it buried it, uh, as, as opposed to, say, like The Blair Witch, where the whole, you know, uh, controversy over whether it was real or not mm-hmm. uh, really just boosted the ticket sales, I think. And to me, I was like, I don't really think the families of these people would allow this to be shown, let alone as a movie in public theaters. <laughs> right. I, I just can't see that happening. <laughs> you were a step ahead of the curve on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a there was a uh, a song called "The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald," and uh, that is an actual boat that sunk in Michigan, where I grew up. Uh, I didn't grow up where the boat sank, but uh, the uh, I, I don't remember how many people died and their bodies are still there because they can't get them out. And the families have uh, all banded together and, and somehow legally made it impossible for anybody to explore the ship hmm. while the bodies are still there. And of course, the bodies won't ever not be there until somebody gets them out. Sure. So when thinking of things in those terms, there is no way that anybody's going to watch the demise of their family members. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, for uh, for my final pick, uh, and I'm I'm starting to feel so old because I'm picking all these classic films. No, uh, no. Jaws. Jaws, hands down, is is my favorite film. Uh, with along with Immortal Beloved, but that wouldn't belong on today's list. Uh, I, I think that this really is, it's more suspenseful than frozen, any frozen that you watch, (laughs) but there's just a, such a beautiful tension to it that just slowly grows and then they let you down and then it grows again and they let you down. And, uh, I just think it was done so skillfully and I, I love what John Williams did with it. And it's so funny to think that when John Williams played the shark theme for Steven Spielberg, 
uh, Spielberg said, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> this is what you're going to play me, really? That's amazing. <laughs> you know? but, but in all fairness, it was out, outside of the context of the movie, and he played it on a piano. But, uh, but I just think from beginning to end, I think that's a fairly masterful film. And it does have some comedy in it as well. Sure. Sure. Yeah, no. And uh, it, it is, I mean, it's it's a classic. It's absolutely a classic. I I'll, I will say, um, you know, great pick. Uh, the reason a lot of my picks are a lot more recent is uh, I, I am infamously bad at finding time at home to rewatch things. So mm-hmm. I, I've got all these movies from the last 10 years that, you know, that I had 20 years that I, are, are on my minds most of the time. Right. Yeah. You know? And I'm I'm pretty much the opposite, where I very rarely go and see anything new. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it it li- it limits my uh, movie vocabulary a little bit, if you will. Well, it makes for a uh, a great list. I mean, we didn't have any uh, actual overlap, which is pretty awesome. No. No, we didn't. Not at all. Yeah. And I'm kind of surprised. I thought we would have at least found one. I know. I, I, I'm very surprised. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's a great list of movies. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I want to thank you so much for coming on, David. I'm I'm really glad we got to spend some time together. Uh, your input, of, of course, in film is phenomenal. And seriously, folks, go check out the Piecing It Together podcast. Uh, just just beware, much like this episode of spoiler alerts. And <laughs> uh, you know, there's there's so many movies to choose from. How many do you have now? Uh, episodes? Uh, ninety four just went up the other day. Yeah, so you've got a lot to choose from. I guarantee you're going to find at least ten movies in there that you have uh, have seen and can appreciate the uh, the deep dive that these guys do. And uh, it, it's it's I love seeing people really go all out and putting great effort into the kind of things that they do. So I have mad props for you, my friend, and uh, I'm not surprised why you're so high in the iTunes rankings. <laughs> well, thank you so much for all the kind words. I really appreciate it, man. Definitely. Well, you take care of yourself, my friend. We will talk again soon. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. That was a lot of fun. And I hope you enjoyed it, too. And it looks like I have some uh, some movie homework to do when I have some time. Looking forward to that as well. Uh, thank you guys very much for joining me on another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. Please leave a rating or a review on whatever medium of podcast app you listen to podcasts on. Whether it be Podbean or iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you might be hearing me. And thank you very much for listening. Uh, uh, Please share with your friends if you like the shows, if there's something that you think that they would enjoy. It really helps us get the word out and uh, get more listeners, which is what it's all about. Thank you guys for joining me. We'll be back next week with dual episodes. One from my UFO tour in Sedona and one on GOAT. So thank you for joining me and we'll see you next week. Bye.